Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Salinger. With me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. And joining us this week is Johnny, the executive producer at and talent <laughs> over at uh, <laughs> Pixel Sift. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I am uh, very glad to be on. After I made that video uh, when Mitch was on, if you remember, many, yes. many yes. moons ago <laughs> yeah. on your original name format, um, where he said that uh, you know it was the most fun he'd ever had on a podcast, <laughs> pointedly saying that to, uh, to me as a slight, and now I'm just going to spend the whole time just disparaging Mitch the whole time. So, you know, That's look fine. forward to that. Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, look, we haven't had him back on since then, so I mean, I know it's taken us way too long to get you on, but... <laughs> it's taken us way too long to actually reach across the pond. Well, reach across yeah, the country exactly. to um, exactly. reach across the desert. <laughs> yeah, to welcome you. Yeah, but yeah. it's been this way is... too long. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. And, thank you. and believe Looking me, it's not it. because we didn't want to have you on. It's because we're too lazy <laughs> to actually organise. <laughs> Yes, as we were just talking briefly offline, uh, we always have the best intentions around getting guests on here, and then we just say, "No, nah, we'll just do another episode ourselves." You can—it's easy usually when you're just chatting to someone that you talk to every single day, uh, but then when you're trying to book in guests from all around the place, um, the logistics of it does make it tricky because that's something that we do every of every course, episode yeah. basically like every yeah. episode has a guest and you know they're all around the world and you know sometimes they'll tell you oh yeah well good it's fine we book it months ahead of time and then on the day they'll say oh no sorry can we just uh, change it and our episodes go out live as well which is often oh, a challenge God. as well so you know, someone will message you in the morning saying oh, I can't do it anymore and you've got four hours until you're Scramble. supposed to put an episode together so you're just randomly calling all the people that you've met at different conventions all over the place and hoping for the best and cashing in some good favours go through your pile there. of business cards yeah exactly it's like you call them had that person already you know just raising and, very and safe and that's when you go okay what podcasters do we know that haven't been on and <laughs> yeah can, exactly. they bring, on? can they bring something that we haven't had before yeah. yeah who's online on discord that i can message now and say you're doing nothing because i can see you playing world of warcraft right now can i interrupt your raid so. hmm, can we do both at the same time yeah can i record while i raid? yeah <laughs> okay so the name of the game is click pitch we each have access to our random word what 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 did you call it before gianni the Stormbringer. The Stormbringer. Yeah. The Stormbringer bot. Um, on the count of three, two, one, click, we're going to click enter, get our word, throw it at each other, come up with a game design. When it doesn't work, we switch it out, do it all over again. I love how this is, this is a comment on, on something we've done for, you know, over 200 episodes now, but we say, like, when it doesn't work, we're just really setting ourselves up. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that... You still open up with, uh, we don't know anything about game design or comedy, but you've been doing it for 200 episodes, so surely something must have stuck. I don't know, we're not good learners. At, at, at around episode we, we, 100... We know learn good. At around episode 100, we did say, we know a little bit about game design, and then we just dropped it again and went straight back to, we know nothing. It just rolls off the tongue so well. It's just that impo- imposter syndrome that everyone faces these days. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. All okay. right, three, two, one, click. Let's get a word. Ooh, okay. I like this one. My word is brawl. Brawl, yeah. You go, Shia. Um, I've got... I've got... Boy. Boy. And I've got Trinity, which works well for us three. (laughs) (laughs) Trinity Brawl Broy. 
Or is it a, a boy that has to go on three brawl? A boy that has to go on three brawls? Well, both the words brawls. Trinity and brawl both bring me to um, the Matrix because yes. uh, I'm pretty sure that big scene with all the Agent Smiths was the something brawl, wasn't it? Mm. I don't know. Maybe this is in the Matrix universe. Could be in the Matrix universe. I think that's a, that's a good thread to go down. Because obviously there's mm. untapped potential there. Because, you know, we know in the Matrix, like, a multiverse has been rebooted a stack of times. So yeah. why not? Instead of that's the one, it. it's well, the boy. The boy was out the boy. there. It's the boy. Yeah. He got activated too early. Yeah, so he's, exactly. not quite, he's not quite ready yet. And so, you know, when, when they when they tap the one on the shoulder and he's, you know, a pre, pre-pubescent boy. I thought you were going to say preschooler. <laughs> Five uh, years old. No, I'm thinking like nine or ten. You know, not not quite a teenager, not quite going through puberty, but so he comes in and he's <laughs> just fighting Agent Smith doing the... <laughs> I, do, I do like the idea of the, the resistance, you know, outside the Matrix... In that same way, like, we need to find the one, we need to find this person who can, you know, change the Matrix at will. And, yeah, they get there, they finally get there, and, yeah, it's like some snot-nosed kid on the playground. <laughs> uh, and they're just like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> well, that's okay. pretty much what Neo was like at the beginning anyway, let's be real. Yeah, oh, yeah. About the, the <laughs> deep lore matrix. What I don't know what, what came to me. I, we're talking about that. I, I just the words Trinity Brawl and Boy sort of just all of a sudden. I think it needs like about maybe five more words. I don't know what the format of this is, but it could be a JRPG, <laughs> I reckon. And it's something like you know, Wonderful Sunshine Boy, Mystery of the Trinity Brawl, ex- Exegist, or something like that. You know, I think I think that's where I was going. All right, I don't know all if right, I've been all right. We merge the ideas. Yep. It's a it's a JRPG set in the Matrix universe. Yep. So you do have a you've got a party that you yep. and and you've <laughs> so I guess you've got Trinity or the equivalent. Yeah. You've got Morpheus and you've got this kid, which I mean is very JRPG to have yep. like a ten year old protagonist yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, so my question is, when in the game do you find find the boy? I think that's like the end of the first act sort of thing, like. You you find the boy and that that's the big shock that it's like ah the one is actually a like, boy and then you got to play the rest of the game with his snot nosed kid yeah, with his kid switch. in your party yeah yeah it's like when you start off as Darth Vader and then all of a sudden you got to be that other guy uh, in all those uh, oh yeah in the, Force Unleashed uh, games and things like yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah I like that actually you've got do you do Morpheus and Trinity leave your party then and you have to start fresh. So you, it is sort of that thing of like, here's what it is, you know, could look like when you've got a powered up party of people who have, you know, given them themselves the skills and the guns and the whatever that they need. Uh, and then it's like, and now you're just the boy. And um, <laughs> you quest and you're finding, you know. I mean, this sounds like a really classic game format to me. You know, you start mm. off super powered in that first thing and all of a sudden you lose all your powers uh, and now you have to build them back up again over time. Like, I think we're on a, we're on a winning strategy here. And then it's got turn-based. It's got really nice, uh, ridiculous, over-the-top names of things. And there's just too much lore, I think, as well. I think that's really important. I mean, important. that's the Matrix all over, especially yeah. the you know second and third. And, I mean, you've got the you've got the Animatrix to pull from as well, right? And all that stuff, the sort of surrounding stuff around the Matrix. Uh, I'm actually loving... And, look, I'm not, a, I'm not a big JPG player, but I know, you know, somewhat of the format. I'm loving, like, Morpheus or, you know... Or, Trinity's got her special move and it's like 
you know, guns. We need guns, and you get a you get like all the the um, racks of guns coming like flying towards the camera and past yeah. the camera, and she just grabs yeah. one off. They go flying past, and then she just blasts the enemies as part of. And I think movie, even you know? as those racks are coming past, you're taking out a few enemies that just happen to be standing. Oh in the yeah, wrong yep. line. Yeah, exactly. so boom, 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 boom. Uh, just uh, going completely. Morpheus has some kick-ass like slow motion kung fu moves that he can pull off, and uh, yeah, and then I think the boy, I think building your party is then of course figuring out what his sort of specialties are with with mm. accessing you know or like calling are you having to call like fine landlines to to contact the resistance and get new <laughs> that's awesome uh, skills and and you know telling them to plug a particular disc yeah. in to give you a skill it also happens to be the save points when you find mm. when you find a a you know a public telephone booth of which it gets to the point where now they're barely anywhere, so you got to try and you're going few and far between trying to find these things. I think <laughs> that's very important in 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's very important for game design because for kids who are playing it, you need to be able to tell your parents, "No, mate, I've got to get to a save point. I can't get off right now. You can't just turn it off. It's not the sort of thing you can turn off. I've got to get to a save point." And that's exactly. How I always spend got a lot of time. Phones. Yeah, stretching uh, it out. It's, it's 2020. I haven't seen a Telstra box in years. What's going on? So my question <laughs> is... I have to keep playing. Does this game actually explain how those glasses stayed on Morpheus's face? <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't have any arms. <laughs> they just... I think the nose bridge the- and it's like... On his face. I think there can be like a really like drawn out, you've got to find one piece of something on the first disc to pick up the rest of the story yep. quest. And if you have to hit every point and if you miss it, that's it. Then you never find yep. out the reason why. Yep. And, you know, there's all these rumors. And, you know, a big part of it will be going to, you know, a website like GameFAQs or whatever and finding <laughs> out. And they're like, oh, on you know, in disc one, you've got to make sure you get 777 damage or something. Yeah. I think that's and if you do find it, part. it's a 27 minute animated cutscene. <laughs> Flashback where, where they just show the like a little thing. magnet being put into his into his into the bridge of his nose, <laughs> <It's insane. Yeah. laughs> and that's how it stays. <laughs> he just needs to make that part of his uh, self. You know what, what do they call it? The uh, the way that you see yourself. Identity or yeah. Yeah, yeah, his identity is just like part yeah. of his identity is magnetized glasses <laughs> in his forehead. Why not? <laughs> Pretty sure there was ghosts in the Matrix, so why not? <laughs> I think that's yeah. gone a little bit off the rails. Let's click again. <laughs> All right, let's go again. But I do like I do like the idea of a like super anime inspired. Oh yeah, definitely. Matrix JRPG. And just okay. saying that out loud. <laughs> it's got to be due for a reboot, surely. So I've got the word uniting. Uh, I've got synthesizer. And I've got snuggle. <laughs> 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 all, all these, all these powerful, you know, uniting synthesizer snuggle. <laughs> I mean, snuggling is uniting in some way. It's <laughs> uniting two people's bodies. True. <laughs> and how you get there is by synthesizing, you know, by being the best electronic dance music crew. And people go, oh, musicians, you know, they're all going around to different uh, cities. They've got people they're hooking up with, but no, you just want to get a you just want to get a good cuddle in, good snuggle. Sometimes, in. yeah. Sometimes you just want to snuggle. Is this about um, the real relationship between uh, Daft Punk and <laughs> uh, you know the two leads, or, or a Daft Punk like band? Mm. Where they is it never a romantic story? Helmets? Yeah, 
They never remove yeah. their helmets. But the question is, is one of them synthetic? So yeah, not only that's is good it point. they're using Ooh. synthesized music and therefore, you know, electronic music, but one of them is actually electronic. And it's a robot mm. built by the other one. All right, this is taking shape. This is t- it's built. No, they're not built by the other one. That's weird. Ah, oh, because what, cause what cause, else? Because <laughs> of the snuggling thing, you you think it's weird that they built a snuggling robot? <laughs> built a snugglebot? <laughs> no. What I was thinking, I was, I was starting to picture they're not actually part of the same like musical group. They're, it's mm. two different synth artists or, or EDM or whatever you want to call. I don't know what the fucking genre is, really. But in the in the style of of Daft Punk and Dead Mouth Five and uh, people who wear weird helmets and stuff. So yeah, they they're both performing and they have these helmets and they kind of keep running into each other. Um, and they could be really expressive through their helmets. They're those like uh, you know they've got the little LCD screens on the stuff that can mm. show symbols <laughs> and things. Um, and I'm picturing it as almost a dialogue-free romance Ooh. between. These, just uh, told characters. by emojis, maybe just emojis, and they just have little emojis yeah, well, on their exactly. face. Yeah, exactly. Like they, it's just. I think one of them's got like kind of face. lights that can scroll, and the other one's got actual like images and things it can show, and almost a bit like. Um, did you guys play uh, Florence? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. That sort of style, almost, but in this, <laughs> in this like dance music. Uh, Area. Yeah, I think because you're going to have to, like, it's the two layers, right? This is how you win the writing award because it's like synthesizers are all in the electronic dance music scene. Everyone's going, having a good time, but one of them's actually a robot, and their main goal in life is to make a human connection. Uh, They've been making their way through the whole time, pretending that they're actually like a robot character, like a DJ in a suit, because that seems to be the way that, uh, you know, that that's sort of going. You've got Marshmallow, you've got Daft Punk, you've got Dead Mouth, all those ones there very fashionable but they're actually a robot and they're trying to get that united and so you have this you have this really nice you know scene at the end where they finally sort of have communicated well enough and one of them you know takes their helmet off and you see the head underneath and the other one takes their head off and there's just nothing there in this spot I like it. I think that's a that's a small game you'd be able to pick up. Maybe it's maybe like a thirty-five to forty-minute experience. Yeah, uh, exactly. made by a small indie team, but it's got a lot of heart. I think overlooked. It's got a lot of heart. List, but I think it also yeah. has a bit of um, arcadey stuff, sort of in there as well. Kind of like a guitar hero slash DJ hero sort of thing in the middle, where you're sort of like a rhythm doing game. a little bit of mm. bit of rhythmy stuff. Um, Actually, I do like that because I like I like the opportunity to kind of have that almost dueling back and forth, you know, playing music and seeing the other one react. And that's almost how part of your relationship grows. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's really good. I'm liking this a lot. It's, it's kind of like dueling stages at, at like a big rave where you've got like across this huge field where you've got, you know, um, the robot on one side of the, of the field and the human on the other side and they're just playing music at each other across the field mm. and and you got the the crowd in between that are just going nuts as they're you know one <laughs> one sort of does all, all their um djing and then they they cut off their music and everyone turns around to see the response coming from the other side and or 
How about this for an idea? It's actually like a silent disco, right? Where people have got all the headphones with the lights on and actually the game has got multiple different soundtracks in it. So you actually can choose the character you're listening to their soundtrack as you go through the game and you can get like a different perspective on what's going mm. on. Sometimes the music will be this way and in like you'll see some of the, the background stuff, but you can kind of just choose between the two as you're kind of going through. That's I think that's cool. Sounds- yeah, having that sort of choice... Almost like you know, doing your balance back and forth. It's like, okay, I want to switch. Exactly, like this fader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. That's that's really good. Yeah, I, like you said, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for just a small, little, emotional, you know, well-written game. Well, and by written, we mean there's no dialogue. No dialogue, but um, um, there's still story going on. And yes, you- evocative, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Evocative and, and yeah... I'm just I'm picturing like the the robot going home. You know, maybe maybe you are following the robot through that, throughout this whole thing, and and you're seeing, you know, them with their robot cat, and they've got, you know, sort of like the whole thing is very sterile. Like the the. Well, I don't know that you want to reveal it though. I think they never take their helmet off, and well, you're they like, don't. what's up with this person? You you don't have to reveal that they're they're a robot too. It's just that you know it's a very sterile I environment, guess, and I guess they could just have a robot cat and be a person. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, you just have it that like you know there's lots of shots because if you're talking about like a game like Florence, it's like almost a comic book style, mm. and you see them putting stuff down on the table or whatever, or feeding their cat. You might see a hand mm. here, or you might see from the back of, of the head or something. Sort of stuff, yeah. You know, so it's not until you get the like late reveal, um, but you can maybe pick up a bit of it as you're sort of moving through the music. Yeah, and I'm then they're going to want to play it again to, like, cap- catch all those little moments, all those hints. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a big hint when, when you, you sort of saw in the sonic shower, like, the, the outline of the robot still with the head on. <laughs> well, I, I like the idea that, like, you, you see them going to bed, and but you, it's sort of a mid-level shot, so you see... Sort of the motion of them taking off the, what you assume is taking off the helmet and putting it down on the nightstand and then getting into bed, but you don't see that they don't have a head. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you do replay it, you're like, oh, they took their head off. And then you see them going down for the phone charge and not realizing that they're plugging it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, you could have so many fun little scenes like that, actually. That's really cool. It's writing itself. It's great. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It is great. All right. Well, when they start writing themselves, that's when we move on. So, <laughs> three, two, one, click. All right. I have got secondary. Fell. Celebrity. All right. So, this is a mobile game for sure. For sure. Okay. Why, I think, why, are, it, you say, why are you saying that, Gianni? <laughs> well, because it's celebrity, right? It's like I'm thinking you're, you're playing a game on your phone, you're swiping around. It's the secondary fell. Uh, series when uh, this is celebrity secondary fell and then you've got all the endorsements coming in you maybe sign it up and think of your I don't know maybe like Ray Martin's secondary fell Ray Martin that's lot, a pull. I don't know pick, pick your favourite popular character when I think celebrity I think, I think Ray Martin yeah. I think Ray Denya. Martin's hair <laughs> uh, no I li- okay I like this so I kind of like the idea of a like a game, yeah, a game on your phone that's almost like a fake, whether it's like a dating game or like an Instagram sort of thing where you're, ah. it, you're almost, you're, 
playing a character within this world, but the way you interact with it is just with the app on your phone, as if yeah. you were actually you and, you know, and you're catfishing Raymond. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> well, maybe you've got maybe you've got choices between a number of different celebrities on like the dating section of this uh, of this game, and uh, Ray Martin is definitely <laughs> one of them. Go away, yeah. Ray Martin. I, swipe left. <laughs> now, Ray Martin's the final boss. You got to work your way up. Ray Martin's quick on the block button, I reckon. And if you come in too hot, you need to like work your way up. You know, you start off with some of these celebrities. Maybe like you start off with a few like home and away actors or something like that. You know, they're keen. They want that interaction with their fans. So, you know, you build up a bit of, uh, I don't know, we'll call it, I don't know, fell points or secondary points or something like that. And then you get into the final boss of taking uh, taking Ray Martin on a date. So, <laughs> so yeah, the app, the app is called Fell because you, like, fall for someone, right? Yep. So, it's like... It's a terrible it's name a, for an app. Yeah, really. It's a good short start. It works with a name as yeah, well. Yeah, it works within the context of the thing. I'm picturing that, like, you're using your real phone and you're having to do things like take selfies, except it uses the gyroscope, but it's actually showing you, like, the 3D character, like, the 3D oh, world, yeah. 3D character yeah. within the 3D world. So you get to create your character, da, 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 but then you're actually taking sort of real selfies um, or, or even photos of other things in the world. There's almost a doesn't have to be AR, but almost a, um, Just a Pokemon go sort of situation mm. where you're, as you move the camera around, you're seeing the scene uh, sort of within the spectrum. Uh, and, and then, yeah, I think, I guess, dialogue-driven sort of thing as you talk to these mm-hmm. uh, celebrities. So, so my question is, can, can we bring in, like, I love this idea. Yes, I think it's really good. Can we bring in a, hor- a horror element to it? <laughs> I mean, yes. we said Ray Martin, Trevor. What more do you want? I kind of like the idea that you look through some of your old photos and you see Ray Martin in the background. Like, ah. <laughs> oh, so that's where the celebrity comes in. The rest is yeah. just you're sort of matching up with other characters in this world, and then suddenly you're getting stalked by celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Slash Ray Martin feels a bit like <laughs> Phoenix Wright in a way. You know, you're going through clicking, trying to find the hidden Ray Martin in the picture. Oh, and you yeah. realise uh, all of a sudden, and you start clicking on things. You're like, oh, you know, delete the chat with Ray Martin, and it doesn't delete. And then you're like, oh, hang on a second, what's going on? And all of a sudden, it's opened up all your photos, and they're instantly being posted out there. And you've got all the ones where you posted all your receipts that- and things like that. I, actually, I really like that. I, I, I like this idea as well of the story unfolding through your chats with people on this dating app, uh, who you're not actually meeting in real life, but you're maybe, you know, you're creating these relationships with them. Um, almost a bit of a, you know, dating sim style game in a way where you, you can maybe make choices about who you, uh, who you talk to and who you sort of, uh, pursue. But yet then you get to start talking to them as that, ah, can you check that photo I sent you, you know, yesterday? Do you see anything weird in the background? Because, yeah, yeah when you've looked at yours, it's like, fuck, who's that? Is that Ray Martin? <laughs> yeah, and maybe what, what it is is, like, you've actually got, a, like, a secret contact or something like that who's your, your guide, and you can, just like, hit a call button and go to them. You're like, I've got to text you a picture, and it turns out it's Red Simons, right? So Red Simons is the one. He's, in his, uh, he's got his, his big gong hammer ready to go, um, and he's like, I don't know, I might give that one a gong, or I might, uh, might keep going, see how we go with this one. He's your guide to the world, because who knows, who knows better? Who who knows better how to take down Raymar than Red Simon? I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, w- exactly. I was just thinking that um, maybe early on in the prologue, 
Um, remember that old ad where there was the whole thing where the actress wanted won a date with Tom Cruise, but then her mum was making lamb roast for dinner, so she said, um, that, you know, that's that's um, why she had to decline the whole thing. You decline a date with with Ray Martin because there's because of something innocuous like that. Mm. You know, some some previous plans that My you, that you have to sort of put in place. And that's what sets him off. Oh, basically, see, that's why I like he couldn't take rejection. Yeah, see, I really like it because now it's fell colon secondary celebrity. And then that's like, <laughs> it's got a bit of like almost like, you know what I mean? There's something in there, I think, with the naming, um, you know, it sort of hints at something else. But yeah, you've got to build it up. I think the layers of it, yeah, yep. you start off in your early levels and, and build up and then it all of a sudden becomes quite dark. Yep. And then you're yep. not sure whether or not, like, and your phone will randomly ring at, uh, at certain points, well, I reckon. And, and you're probably and you'll be questioning, like, is this really Ray Martin? Why would a 75-year-old Gold Logie award winner uh, <laughs> be on this app <laughs> and be so sensitive to me not wanting to go on a date with him because mum's cooking a lamb roast? But if, yes. you, if you do end up going on a date with him and, like, you, you go away from the table and someone else is messaging you, is it Ray Martin testing whether you're actually enjoying <laughs> enjoying the meal with him? No, you're you're at the meal and you get a message on your phone and it's Ray Martin. And he's like, are you coming on the date? <laughs> oh, no. I'm here waiting for you. And you, and and you, you like move the phone around and you see what you assumed was Ray Martin sitting in front of you, but they're smiling and the smile just starts getting bigger and bigger. And the eyes yeah. get wider and wider and wider. Yeah, the crow's feet get deeper and deeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think an important factor of this game is that, you know, because it is a phone game, you know, it's all that overlay of real life part of that storytelling is that. But I think once you get to the end of the game, I think it actually video calls Ray Martin and you have to have a brief conversation to him and tell him about what you thought about his game. Um, and, and Don't it, reject the app, him. The, the app won't quit. It just doesn't quit. It stays there. You can put something on top of your phone or whatever, um, but you'll just hear him coming out from your phone under that stack of books. Forever. Um, and, it's just, and what it does is it burns your battery down like real quick as well. So and it's the like final, the final shot of this horrific, you know, what I'm now picturing is the end of a horror movie is Ray Martin sitting there in front of huge screens with everybody's phone pictures on them as he's video chatting with like thousands of people at once, just watching them forever and they can never shut it off. I mean, that sounds like a great game to me. Game of the year. <laughs> We better get game of the year or Ray Martin's <laughs> going to be on to you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, secondary secondary. You rejected Ray That's Martin insane. for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. My word is digger. Mia. Uh, Mia. Like M-E-R-E? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like a, a, a mere digger. Um, and I've got latter. Latter, the then like the, you know the, the latter digger, the last yeah. one. Hmm. And what's the what's the verdict? Can we combine a few of these words? Can we turn something to like digamir oh, or yeah, latamir yeah. or something like that? I think we that's can completely a- ignore them if we come up with some idea based on like they, it's just a jumping off point. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's no uh, rules on this on this podcast that's been going for two hundred episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two hundred six. So where where I'm maybe seeing an idea is instead of mere m e r e, we take it as mere m e e r as in as mere cat, mere cat, and oh, yeah. the mere cat who, who happens to also be like a digger. 
Well, meerkats, meerkats dig, right? Mm. So, I've is it a, a spelunky-like game with a meerkat? Oh, that could be cool. And how do we work the latter into this, though? Are you the last of your line, maybe? The last of the meerkats <laughs> or digging are you, for freedom. Are you the meerkat who's going through a Spelunky-like level after the actual exploring one? Who's done? Oh, yeah. Who's like gathered all the stuff? You're and, one step behind. Yeah. Oh, and and you you're trying to scavenge for whatever he didn't collect. So you're hoping that he's just sort of rushed right through the level, but mm-hmm. but you're also looking for ma- for the scraps or you know d- did he, did he leave something having- behind that you can eat <laughs> and i think you're having conversations with all the bosses that have been defeated as well you know they're just kind of like sitting around hands on their you know their chin thinking looking a bit sorry for themselves because they've been defeated bloody. and you just come along <laughs> yeah exactly they're just like mate come on you know i've had a bad enough day i don't need you to come in here and wreck house as well and you're just having a bit of a conversation back and forth trying to piece together this world well may- maybe they're helping you power up so that you can beat yeah. this, this digger oh, you're going on a, a quest of revenge yeah. You- yes. Maybe you're the first boss. The very you were the yeah. first boss, and yeah. you're like, nice. No, you got beat handily. I'm not letting this this little upstart come into my dungeon, and so you're chasing him down. I, I'm almost picturing this instead of an actual Spelunky like game. Like, yes, mm. it's you're following a Spelunky like character, but it's a bit more of like a SteamWorld dig or that sort of thing, where you're kind of making your way through this space and unlocking different areas and meeting the bosses and so maybe almost a bit more of a Metroidvania-ish mm. uh, exploration style thing. Um, but where where a lot of the passages have already been opened by the time you get there. Yeah, essentially, but then like collapse behind you because they're just completely reckless and, you know, they, they stole the idol that dropped the ball and that... <laughs> that- it's blocked the passage. So now you've got to find another way through and... Yeah. 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 And work with the other bosses to, to so bring it's, them down. So it's kind of like that... You could almost imagine a Tomb Raider-esque game as well that um, mm. where you're the second person going through after Lara Croft has set mm. off all the traps and now you're like, oh, this this was kind of like short-sighted, you know. I'm, I'm coming through, yeah. you know, only... <laughs> Only 50 years later and someone's already set off all these traps and I can't make it through here because there's no longer a, um, a passage to go through. <laughs> Mere moments latter and then you're all of a sudden coming across the... I, why do they destroy things in those things? Like they have these beautiful temples. Nathan Drake does it too. He can't, he's got nothing to, uh, to claim there. They just go and they smash oh, stuff yeah. down. Didn't he you destroy, know, like, like, an entire lost city that, sim- yep. that was thousands and thousands of years old and just blew it up? Gone. It was looking fine before yeah. and all of a sudden smashed into this giant thing in I, the sand. I would you love know? for the for the next Indiana Jones film, like, when they finally do it, for him to come through and he goes, Jesus Christ, the person that came through here totally screwed this up. Have, is this what it feels like for the next person to come after one of my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my yeah, adventures? well, I think that's... Yeah, I think that's what this is ascent like you're not that you're not a, a, a an archaeologist or a tomb raider yourself but you're seeing the damage that's been done and that's just driving you forward it's like we have to stop them we have to stop them and yeah, right. then repair 
we've got to repair all these things and and see that's where some of the like steam world dig sort of stuff could come in that as you gather you know what they did leave behind you can go back spend that and like repair behind you to you know start gathering more resources or like making people happy there and they help you out yeah uh, yeah i like it so it's a little bit less actiony and a little bit more like almost strategic or or adventury as well. Like, well, I think as you go along, you like you'll get closer and closer to them, and the columns are falling down as you are there, just about. <laughs> so you're like ducking and weaving, and you're like, got to make a note of that because I got to come back because that's where that was it. You know, snapping photos as you go through, trying to reconstruct this amazing temple that was being instantaneously I'm not gonna destroyed. Get it. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to put in an insurance claim for this if I don't get photos. Exactly. Again. Quick, yeah, I've got to take a photo because I need to know what it looked like before. I've never been down. Oh, man. <laughs> the excess exactly. is huge on this one. Huge. Huge. I don't know who's paying for it, but that's not my job to work that out. <laughs> I'm just here to put it all back together. Uh, no, I love that. Uh, are you thinking... Because originally I was thinking sort of 2D when we were saying Spelunky and, uh, and Steamworld Dig, but I, I think that could work as more of a following a, a, a Lara Croft or a Nathan Drake style thing. And he's still a meerkat, because why not? Anthropomorphic. Yeah, yeah whatever. That's just the world we're in. Yeah. But making it, yeah, a bit more, um, uh, more, more. It's three D and it's a, a, a an open space. And I think this could be the long-awaited uh, sequel to the Sly, Sly Raccoon series. So you can be a meerkat. Ooh. Sly Raccoon's going through has been destroying the place, wrecking the joint, uh, and you're going through this three D open world. Maybe you've got some cool like controller functionality because that's all the jazz now. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you're the one who has to go and put it all back together. And you know, someone who has like a little, you know. Maybe they've got a little bakery or something, and he's coming. Sly Raccoon's coming through, swinging that big old stick thing, <laughs> smashing up everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're the insurance adjuster that has to come through and put it all back together. Yeah. But I think as well, what would be cool it. is like if you've got it kind of going through the generations of time as well. Like you've been doing this job for a while, right? So yeah. you start off in your early PlayStation 2 graphics, and you're kind of building <laughs> your way up. And as you kind of progress through, you're like, look, I've, I've, I'm up in middle management anymore. I don't need to go out and do the field work. I'm just here to sign off on the reports that everyone does. But they're like, we need you to get back in the field. No one's done it like you have. Uh, we've got to find out who's putting this all together because we need to send them a bill. So the question uh, is, yeah. was there a Sly Raccoon in PlayStation 3 or 4? Because I don't know whether there was I one. I think there was one in three. I think there was one in three, but I don't know if there was mm. one in I, four. I like the idea of breaking through, like, breaking through a wall or, or opening up a door and it changes from that PlayStation 2 graphics on one side of the door to fully ray traced on the other ones, on the other side. Well, and- I, I think... I- I do like the idea of, of doing that. I think it's more about, like, the age of the dungeons and the sort of work you get. It's like, oh, I'm a lowly adjuster at this point. I've I've got these, you know, these old cold cases, essentially, that I'm going through mm. where some pointy breasted woman came through here <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's easy to replace things because everything's just like a very low poly vase that you need to put back together. But as you go <laughs> yeah. along through the game, like, there's so many more polygons in there there's so many more triangles those yeah, like textures so they're not things didn't even have physics back then so they couldn't break it's fine yeah they just got knocked over so you just have to put them back up <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just imagining you see the big boulder coming down and it hits like this small table with a vase on it and it just stops dead because there's no physics on it <laughs> yeah just hits an object and stops yeah you could definitely take this as a very satirical like perspective on the history of these sorts of games 
Yeah, uh, lots of so. jabs at at yeah, Lara Croft and Nathan Drake and Sly Raccoon and their ilk, mm-hmm. Jack and Daxter. I, I'm I'm imagining going. kind of like um, if you remember Super Meat Boy, how they had like the retro levels that you ended up going into. Sometimes you can go into the side scrolly. 8-bit levels where you're going through, you know, some monochrome ones that look kind of like a, a Game Boy Advance, or then you go through like a, a NES era sort of thing. You can sort of just go through the different um, extra extra little areas. Atari 2600. Mm. <laughs> well, and you just play off the, the different game genres. It's like someone came through this, this, you know, gothic castle... And smashed all the lamps and torches and yeah. just like they were whipping things all over the place. There's whip marks everywhere. <laughs> they came into the castle and, and kept on taking things and it's sort of like, yeah. a, it, oh my God, that sounds like a text adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Take sword. <laughs> yeah. They were just yelling it out. <laughs> it was as if they, someone was typing in all caps. <laughs> Okay. Oh man. All right. That's that's fun. Click again. Let's uh yeah, let's go again. Ooh. Cocoon. Breed. Reign. As in reign of a king or queen or oh. monarch. So Yeah, sci fi, I reckon. Yep. Sci fi I think it's really like deep sci fi as in like there's so many source books and other bits and pieces that you need to like read up on. Uh there's all this extra alternative material. There's like all the theory crafters who spend hours on the forums trying to work out exactly what's going on. Um but yeah, like I think yeah, deep sci fi. And I don't know whether or not you so we what have we got? Cocoon, we've got breed. rain and, yep. and, breed. and breed. Well yeah. Finally, you said you said monarch. Mm. And we've got Cocoon. Is this like mm. a race of butterfly people? Yeah. Yeah. An ancient race of butterfly people yeah. who maybe have disappeared off out of the universe. Uh, and maybe they're, 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 you know, the, the remnants of it is still there. And it's Absolutely. like a, a power story. I'm thinking like we're going, yeah, like Mass Effect style. So, of, so did they disappear uh, into another dimension? Or did they slip slightly out of time with us? Or. Or ha- I think they've gone through. Maybe they've gone into like a little cocoon, like a transitional a time phase. Yes. happened. <laughs> they're in yeah, it. like they, they may be well, still they've around. Just cocooned themselves again. Yeah, yeah. that and makes sense. everyone. Everyone's been waiting a long time for them to come out of this cocoon because everyone's sort of like turned them into these ancient gods, uh, the ones who had power over everything. Oh, I yeah. like that idea actually. That like there's like a Dyson sphere that was built. Yeah, and. Nobody has been able to get in there for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, but they know that that's where all the monarch people, uh, mm. the race of monarchs, went. And and it's yeah. got like a window or something, so like people can see in. I think that's an important aspect. <laughs> it's of like it. a butterfly like- house. Yeah, it's like a butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just like flitting around around you as you're going there. No, but I think that's part of it. It's like, like yeah, there's this long history of these worlds and some of them have been like you know people have cracked open and you know the all of the solar system around it just like falls apart um and i think yeah what type of game this would be i think this is like a i think this is a spaceship game 
Yeah. I think it's it's I don't think there's any like third person or first person parts of it. I think it's all delivered through like spaceship comms. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's kind of like the you know the little talking heads the blah, 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 sort of um you know slippy and all that sort of thing from while that was <laughs> like that sort of era but maybe with like some slightly updated graphics perhaps maybe some like uh, like almost like a European board game you know when they were that really nice art style. Oh yeah. You know, text boxes down the bottom. Um yeah and you're kind of working you're puzzling your way through. I like that. I like it being this big exploration as you, yeah, you go around in your ship and you sort of, yeah, even if it's one of those kind of economy-based, you know, you're, yeah, you start off as a as a trader or as a whatever, mm. and you're bringing different things. But as you go, you you start hearing about this race of of monarchs that's still so revered in this area of the galaxy, yeah. and you start kind of investigating. And um, I do, I, I feel like you can just go to their cocoon, to their, you know. Dyson Sphere, which is obviously yeah, it's like the second solar system unlock, I reckon. Wow, Sol- solar system sized. I thought it was like well, it- just going to be around, you know, the orbit of Mercury, sort of sized, and they've just contained no, it- a um. Oh well, I mean, j- by definition, I think a Dyson Sphere has to be solar system sized in that. It's built around a sun, and so it would have to be at least the distance of one other, like, planet, probably. But, yeah, so it's this huge thing, and you can go, and you can check it out, and, yeah, maybe you can see into it in certain parts, and, you you know, you see sort of wreckage and, and different layers of this sphere that people have made their way through, but nobody's kind of made their way through to the center and, and found... Whether the whether this race is even still a lot. So, what's happening to all the planets around this this Dyson sphere? Because they, obviously they've, they've got no energy involved. Like, are yeah. they totally I think, barren? I think that sort of. I think they've been ripped apart, like to the core, so like literally to build this thing. Yeah, and I yeah. think maybe people are living on the outside of this Dyson sphere, perhaps, and like there's a little bit of energy oh, that they've managed to yeah. pull out of it. Like there's like you know they found a few broken conduits or something, and they've just plugged in their double adapter and then run their spaceship <laughs> off that. <laughs> and, uh, I love yeah. the idea of them living, or at least sort of yeah, living or or just scavenging power and and technology from the outside of this, this Dyson sphere. What they can get. Yeah. So you said ship. Can we also have like? Little landers that can sort of go down to, go down to the planets and, well, what the remnants of the planets just to to try and find scrap and and all these sort of things. So you've at least got some sort of. I mean, I'm not just saying you know the people can get out of the landers, but you know the the lander goes down and and you can sort of drive maybe around like, down there. Oh, I see. It's like maybe it's like a, almost like a gun. Gundam thing or something like you've got or a Transformers thing where you know you've got a vehicle that can transform from a spaceship into a mech oh yeah and you're running around on this thing and we've got a bit of like a bit of that interplay and uh, yeah I think a lot of it is spaceship based and it's only until you get to a certain bit where you unlock a bit of technology when all of a sudden your ship transforms into oh, yeah. you find <laughs> out in, the- in, into a mech so you, you know? thought you just had an old banger of a ship yeah, this is just like some some junker that everyone thought, you know, everyone knows it's got a little bit of the Monarch technology in it because, yeah. like, all of our technology has got a bit of that, right? It has to be. But, yeah, you find that you come to this, uh, you go on a job. It's just like a standard job. Maybe you – and that's, like, quite a way in as well. I want the game to be, like, mostly uh, – it's sort of like a standard sort of ship shooty sort of game. But then all of a sudden you unlock – 
the mech mode and you've opened this whole world up and you can go back to some of the planets you've discovered oh, and now yeah. you can go and explore some of these extra temples that have sort of been hidden around and maybe there is like a i think there's going to be like a parallel world as well like you've got the one that you're based on which is the dyson fear that's still intact where we think all the monarchs are still there and then maybe there's this other one where it has been cracked open maybe hundreds of thousands of years ago or something like that and it's just a dead world and you've got to go there and find the clues. that was their first all, all the world all the worlds are actually thriving but all the monarchs are completely dead because the Dyson Sphere got cracked too early. And, yeah. and so, you know, you have that sort of juxtaposition of, you know, yes, the monarchs are still alive in, in this cocoon, but this, this solar system is now thriving and there's, like, numerous planets with life teeming on them. Mm. And so you start wondering, you know, wh- what actually caused caused this and why, why were the monarchs basically dooming all these... Um, all these civilizations to, to oh, yeah, do like that. that. Yeah, that that's a fun thing to explore there because I think you start off in near the near the intact Dyson sphere, and yes, the the surrounding systems, planets, and 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 other systems, perhaps, are you know they're poor, they're they're you know there's a lot of piracy and they're trying to sort of, they're living on the edge because there's just not enough resources to go around. And then, yeah, I think you find that cracked open when it's like, oh, there were multiple, they were, they were multiple cocoons. There were multiple Dyson spheres. This one, whatever, whether it had a malfunction or there was some huge war that like that they managed to, to crack it open because there was a revolution essentially of everyone around. Mm. They're like, no, like you've taken our energy source. So given that the Dyson sphere is so big is, what sort of size of um, are, are they? Other monarchs are they actually huge, like titan-sized sort of beings? Well, and maybe that's what they're becoming. I think before maybe they weren't. They were. I think even they could be large, like even larger than humanoid-sized st- yep. butterflies, essentially. But they're effectively. Could they be- fly through space? Do you think they could fly through space, or did they need ships? No, I don't think they can fly through space because that's the reason why they built these like planet worlds. Maybe they're actually like particularly so, vulnerable, yeah. perhaps, mm. and that's the oh, reason yeah, why okay. they built these yeah. these these. And that's Dyson why they've spheres. needed the more advanced technology to yeah. actually protect them. And I reckon them. that's your your key conflict in the game is because yeah, you found this other one where they've cracked open the Dyson sphere. Everyone's living on it, but it basically meant that these all of these monarchs have died, and it's that's the conflict, right? You've got some group, and they're like, "We've got to crack this Dyson sphere." And everyone on, on the Dyson Sphere are like, well, we're living okay. We've got like a bit of power. We've got food and everything. It's fine. Maybe it's not the best existence ever. And these people are coming along saying, yeah, we've got to crack this thing and we'll crack it wide open and then everyone can have a good time. <laughs> so it's sort of the interplay. You know, maybe there's a bit of like Final Fantasy environmental aspect to it as well, where you're well, like, they're trying to destroy the planet and you're trying to be like an eco terrorist to fight against it. Yeah, well, I, I'm like. I think there's probably a bit of worship there as well for these beings yeah. too. They're like, no, they knew what they were doing. Like, they're going to come out and they're going to save us all and it's going to be, you know, yeah. a utopia because they're, they're metamorphos- metamorphosizing. Metamorphosizing? That's not the word. Anyway. <laughs> metamorphosing. Yeah. yeah into, into something better, right? And, um, you know, they already... <laughs> so, did do these... Dude, does this race actually start off as like a weird giant caterpillar thing, and <laughs> and then actually do the whole no, I, sort of smaller I, I th- personal cocoon, and then this is more the large uh, hot entire species size cocoon where they, uh, you know, have their, I, I, their I think metamorphosis as a race. I think they are they are already are the the big sort of monarch butterfly 
things, but then they're going into into the next stage of evolution, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is the next stage. I was more thinking like when they were no, they're before, not a slug. Like, before they went in there. Anyway, that's it's fine. That's not subtle <laughs> enough. I think, yeah, you've got it. Like, they're going to be mostly the same, but all of a sudden they're, like, slightly better. But I think uh, the important thing you need to talk about, like, how, how does this game play? And I think there's, like, a lot of spaceship shooting stuff. I think maybe it could potentially be bullet hell. Maybe there's an element of trading and stuff between as well. Mm. What, are you, what are you leaning? Because how do we deliver the lore in the best way here? Is it by spending a lot of time in menus, like, talking to people? Or is it by, you know, having big cutscenes and, like, being taken through, like, a cinematic experience i like the- I, I mean i liked yeah go ben <laughs> i was gonna say i liked what you were saying with uh a lot of like over the comms and that sort of thing like you you get the different missions you get different tasks you can do where you maybe team up with different people different factions and you get a sense of like oh that faction wants to crack it open that faction worships them that faction is just happy living on the surface and doesn't want to rock the boat and then you can do jobs for different ones and, and so it's a bit more of like like an elite sort of thing or uh, there have been obviously plenty of other games in the, in that sort of vein and I do, but yes I think I do with the missions see some, themselves bringing in some action yeah, and stuff I do, I do want to see some as you were sort of saying bullet hell but I, I love the idea of flying through like an asteroid asteroid belt and you and you don't necessarily have a um, in cockpit view but you've got more of a, a third person sort of view and you mm. can sort of you know you're doing a little bit of dog fighting you're doing a, a little bit of searching through through this asteroid belt looking for the hidden base or something like that or you know you you're basically trying to find the technology or whatever it is that you you're going in there for um yeah i i always love being able to search and just explore like ben would mm. know whenever we play satisfactory i'm always off exploring and trying to find <laughs> shit like i've got our friend paul to build all the shit, I go off exploring, looking for stuff, and and Ben just makes things look pretty. <laughs> well, maybe it's it's open world. Maybe it's like a almost like an MMO or something like that. Maybe it doesn't have to be an MMO, but like that sort of scale or like a No Man's Sky sort of scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where you, everything happens in the world is like you don't load into a mission. You just happen to be in the right place, and you, it's like a little menu pops up and it says start the mission, and then it you know, starts from yep. there or something like that. Yeah, I think it's it's a bit more, yeah, like a sort of... Uh, a perpetual world slash yeah, galaxy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's like multiple systems, multiple star systems, but... Starting to sound like a very expensive game. So, how much are we going to crowdfund for this? Do you think it's going to be like forty million, fifty million? Should we keep crowdfunding perpetually and like, you know, drip free people a little bit? Can we just do a star citizen thing of... Uh, get all the money together and then just bugger off with it. <laughs> Not actually finish the <laughs> it, game. It, it, seem, it seems like a way of making a lot more money, and then you then you go back and you know they, you just sort of show them a couple of um, mocked up screenshots and, and <laughs> you know crowdfund for more. Like seems what they've done. Like and it seems seems to go have gone well for them. Like they've got a few- as long as we get someone on board with the name recognition, then we're good. Ray Martin's <laughs> Monarch Galaxy. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I do have to say I love I love the name for an ancient race as the monarchs. Like, yeah. even without them being butterfly people, or maybe you don't reveal it, but it's more just the imagery of it, and they're in a cocoon, right? And they're the monarchs. Yeah. Like, 
That's super cool. But it's a technological uh, cocoon. So you're, you're sort of also thinking, are they actually melding with technology in there? And, and when they come out, they're actually sort of these big ship-sized beings now that... What happens is the entire Dyson sphere lights up and it turns out it's a Borg sphere and uh, they assimilate everyone <laughs> in, the, in the galaxy. Some people will be into that. Some people will be into that, I reckon. So, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to please everyone, but, you know. <laughs> okay, let's click again. All right, let's go again. Three, two, one, click. All right, I've got lesson. Like a teacher's lesson. Oh, lesson. lesson. Rather yeah. than like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I have fielding. And I have symptom. So, mm. what's a symptom of a lesson? <laughs> that you learned something? <laughs> I, I, or that you've okay, been taught that fielding, that's a symptom. <laughs> fielding, I think you, it's either going to be something like baseball or cricket. Uh, so, I think it's a sports game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's going to have some pretty accurate sports. Because uh, sports games, you know, there is a, like a real big niche. People who love sports games, like they're the games that they pit, they play. They don't play anything else. That's like they will go and buy a brand new console just oh, yeah. for the next like, you know, AFL twenty twenty two or whatever it is. <laughs> yep. But it's but it's um, primary school sports. So <laughs> primary school sports. Yeah. Yes. T ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rounders. T ball master. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love the T. Like, you want to be the like the you know the T ball champion of your district or whatever. I think that's really yeah, good. But where do we, how do we work in the symptom though? Like, what's the? Uh, I think that's just that you know, kids in primary school are always passing around. Yeah, it's just easy. D- yeah, exactly. They're yeah, you got to you got to deal with the latest cooties outbreak, um, and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's just one of the th- as you because you're managing this team essentially of. Uh, Rounders players. Oh, so it's a it's a management no, game. Not like you're not no, taking out a character. It's not a management well, game. I mean, you, you get to not play just the- a management game. No, no, no. You play the game, but often you'll be like, you know, you've got your stats of the people on your team and stuff as you're going through. There's probably a career mode. Yeah, that you where you can choose to go all in, or you can just go, nah, fuck it, just let the computers sort it out for me. And it and it says, you know, um, Jeremy had um. You know, he fell down. He he fell down and had some grazed knees, so he's not gonna he's not going to want to um, be running today. So he's just going to be out in left field, sort of thing, <laughs> <laughs> picking daisies. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, from a game like from an in-game gameplay point of view, is it fairly yeah. standard, or do we bring in some like what? How does it being primary school kids change things? Uh, and also, is this a multi-grade level team or- you Yeah, know- I think it has to. Yeah. Like, you got to build up the drama, right? You know, you might be in year three, but there's some year fives out there and they're talking tough and they reckon they can beat you on yeah. the field. And yeah. also, uh, kids and don't you need have, to- you know, regard for rules. So, if you if you can get away <laughs> from- uh, If you can get away with it, you can break the rules. You know, you can you can start running and if you get called out, you just say, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> or you just start crying and they give yeah, it to you. Yeah, you. you've got you got the crying button. You've got the um, take your ball and go home. Um. <laughs> Maybe that's the other side of it is that, you know, you've got to build up the rep with all the other kids so that when you want to break a rule, you've got enough points in your, your team. Mm. And then the offside of that is that, like, you never know when an illness is going to come and wipe out all your all your mates. Half your so team, if you're breaking yeah. a rule, yeah, if you're breaking a rule and then everyone's down with chicken pox, then you don't have the numbers anymore. 
So, like, how do you make it way, make your way through it? <laughs> so, I think it's like it's like a lot of points. This is a points-based game. I think maybe even, like, it's a browser-based game. Maybe there's no graphics in it at all. It's just, like, a whole bunch of tables. Oh, it's kind of uh, like the... What's the, the thing? Football uh, manager or whatever? Blazeball, yeah. Uh, please know all you do. Please know. <laughs> Kids. Yeah. I've, I've, I think, yeah, maybe they've just got, like, a I've little... I've got bad like memories of buying it. a game that I thought actually was, like a legitimate game and it turned out to be one of those management games where you set out you set up all your um you know your your team and all this other stuff and then the computer plays out the actual game portion of it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck did I just buy? But there's a there's a huge market for this this Trevor and yes, especially not now for, for, not for a fantasy kid who, games. Who really just wanted to play you know, a soccer game or whatever it was. I can't even remember what, what it was now. And it's like, oh, I didn't even get to play the game. I, I just, this is just like words. Ah, but then I think you'll find you did play the game. That was the game all along. Oh, God. <laughs> Boring. The secret was inside you the whole time. The game exactly. was inside you the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, I think it. I think it's going to be like real. I think yeah, Blazeball is a good way to talk about it. I think it's a game that runs in a browser. It's got like a real cult following. People are like hyped about this game, and uh, I think there is a bit of uh, a bit of real time randomness, and that can be where the symptoms come in. So maybe yeah. things just get moving rather, through. I think though, like rather than rather than Blazeball, where you're essentially following along with these teams and sort of doing fantasy baseball. I think in this case, I think maybe- th- In fact, I think we've effectively stolen the idea of Blazeball just about now that I'm thinking about possibly, it. Possibly. Yeah. But I'm thinking maybe this is a bit more of a- it, We still do stick with the career mode sort of thing. And so, you're creating mm. your character. You start in like prep, you know, foundation or whatever your first, you know, kindergarten year is. And- you're building your stats over time and you are playing these games and getting in teams and maybe it's, you know, you sort of, you you join up into a team with your friends, but there are these random elements of, you know, yeah, the, the chicken pox wave coming through and taking out your whole team. And so you have to forfeit the game uh, and, and just building that up over time. So it's a bit more of an actual competitive thing amongst all the different things. And you get a bit of a fantasy, like the school that you're at as well. And it can sort of, you can create, your colours and your mascot and your mm. whatever, all your different bits and pieces. I think you've also got yeah, I think you could- that, that whole thing where kids quite often get detention, so therefore they're not allowed to play. The, like, the teacher keeps them back after class. Uh, so you, you've got to make sure that the morale is there with all the students um, in your team because otherwise you're going to be missing out on, on you, you know, your, your fifth or sixth player because they're all in detention yeah. or they got suspension or something like that. The naughty, the naughty kids got the best kick, you know. But they, you know, they get all the bonuses. But two out of three times, they're in detention. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a risk to field yep. them, I reckon. Yeah, I don't think you have like a like a natural skill ceiling as well, because like maybe you can pick kids from all different years, and maybe there's like a really like super powerful prep kid who you want to like use their use their strength because they've like got super speed or whatever. Unfortunately, they got kicked yeah, down seven got years a- in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe that's the way they do it because, like, yeah, all the year sixes and year sevens, they're graduating. They're off to high school soon. You know, they don't need any of this anymore and they're not into those kids' games. They're all about... So, you know, like, there's that sort of push and pull of, like, trying to balance your team out as some of these, uh, you know, as kids go off to... And maybe there's, like, trading schools as well. well maybe I love, there's, like, yeah, rival I love the schools. idea of taking this as seriously, essentially, as, like, the college basketball and football and stuff in the States where... yeah. 
it is this whole league of sports in itself where that's actually all that matters. And the school is almost this fast behind it. But the, yeah. yeah, the idea of keeping a kid in prep for seven years in a row, just so <laughs> they can continue to play at that level. Yeah. Uh, it's hilarious. Maybe that maybe there's like, yeah, a random like parent character and they're like really trying to vicariously live through their child. Yeah. And they're like, my, my kid's doing really good at this level. So like, we're going to keep, keep them there. Cause I never made it to the pros of one hand, one bounce cricket. <laughs> yes. He's never so. learned to read, but. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just seeing now that like your best player is in is in grade six, about to leave the school. So you make him fail everything and keep him down for another for just one more year. I know that next year one we can year. make it. <laughs> this next year we're going to win the handball championships, the downball championships, and uh, we need <laughs> this kid. I haven't decided what game we're playing, uh, <laughs> or it's all of them, all the schoolyard games. Okay. I don't think that's a good enough one to end on. Let's go one more. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got one more in us. <laughs> My word is raising with a Z. Raising? So, like, yeah, cool. tearing yeah, yeah. down to the ground, destroying. Yeah. Well, I've got lawn. Lawn? L-A-W-N? Lawn, yeah. <laughs> nice. And I've got general. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I know what I know what it is. I know what it is. All right, so you're a retired general, right? Maybe you've uh, you've seen a lot of uh, battles in your days. You had you were well decorated, but you're retired now. All you can do is garden, right? But you can never win at the gardening championships because Beryl has just got the time. Beryl's got the green thumb. You don't have it. You have the art of war, and what you need to do is you need to use the art of war to defeat. Beryl and Dorothy and maybe uh, James with the really good roses and you're using your war tactics in a strategy game uh, to take out. Uh, and yeah. all you're trying so to do is general just take them out. Lawn. Like all the gardening itself handles itself. Like y- your lawn is perfect and, and that's all you're going for. You're now just trying to take out, you know, James's roses. You're trying to take out Ber- um, Beryl's petunias or something like that. It's basically... Yeah, like... Maybe there's like a bit of a social stealth action to it. So like maybe you're at the, the you know the local show uh, and you've got your perfect roses there. And what you're doing actually is you're like, oh, this is my secret fertilizer. And what you're going to do is actually like slip a bit of weed killer in there. <laughs> and you're like waiting for them to like. Or, or maybe now I'm picturing it there. as like a hitman esque game. But it's like hitman but <laughs> yeah. gardening, right? Yeah. You're a retired general and uh, you've seen some stuff and you are going to enact it on the the bowling screen perhaps and that's are are you walking through with like a handful of slugs that you're just dropping slugs into into like the rose bushes because slugs just eat all the all the leaves and make them look ratty and Uh i think you like part of it is like the risk reward right so you could go big you could chuck in a whole bunch of bugs there you could put a bit of poison down but right there they're the nuclear option if you go too big everyone's onto you they know so that don't you're the go napalm first because you up. moved first up <laughs> now i think it's like very subtle right you go and you like turn their tap timers down to one minute <laughs> instead of 15 minutes at every time they're like oh the tap's going it must be working no it isn't you're not getting enough water that flower is not going to be up to snuff sorry Beryl. Uh, and i think yeah you've got to enact the art of war and i think it's like a guerrilla war warfare sort of aspect to it as well so, so are like, the stakes that you you like you risk being disqualified from the competition yourself like you're trying to win the best garden or whatever right like yeah. the best neighborhood garden contest yeah so is this guy very similar to donald trump in that he can't he can't actually like admit that he's lost so he's always looking to to sabotage everyone else to make sure he wins 
I, I don't think that. I think there is like there must be some element of honor to it, but I think this oh, person that's right. Donald Trump knows has how to uh, <laughs> yeah knows how to fight a war. They don't know how to garden that well, but they've now decided <laughs> this is the thing that they're going to be good at. Um, and yeah, and I think maybe it's actually a set in like a small regional town, mm. for, for example. Like everyone knows everyone, right? So if you move into the town, there's already a bit of a buzz, and they're like, "Oh, we heard that uh, when you were in the big smoke, you had some." Real nice petunias. And you're like, well, let me see. And then, you know, maybe Dorothy and Beryl, like, kind of roll up to your house and they've, uh, you know, they're kind of like, well, let's see where you can grow. These are some tough soil conditions, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I love that. You can even have an aspect of, uh, you know, you're stealing their secrets. Like, they've got the secrets to their soil mix. And so you do have these stealth missions where it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, turn the sprinklers on out in front when they shouldn't be on. They're going to go out and investigate. I'm going to sneak in the back and mm. take a sample of, you know, their fertilizer. And then yeah. Get, get I think you've got, to, you've got to get invited over for bridge, right? You've got to be at a point where, like, you're at that level where they're, like, politely inviting you to things. But then you're going to be slowly undermining or maybe <laughs> pinching a few of this. Like, maybe you're going, you're getting a bit of pollen and you're cross-pollinating some of your plants with their prize breed so you can get some of those good genetic traits in there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mechanical bee. <laughs> or even, There's like... There's just something for, about for a mechanical do- bee that you're, you're having to drive <laughs> to collect the pollen to bring it back to your... <laughs> uh, if you want to go that tech tech based, well, you've got different options. Uh, I do like the idea of having to know about gardening or learn about gardening. So you know, at least for your direct neighbours, yeah, over the fence you can plant things that are just gonna like not work well with you know their hydrangeas or whatever uh, yeah. because the the pollen you know it's going to attract the wrong insects that's going to kill their their flowers. Or right next yeah. to their roses, you plant poison ivy. <laughs> then, or any ivy, any yeah. ivy that just goes everywhere, yeah. and you they're like constantly trying to just fight. Drop it. blackberry cuttings everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm, just, I'm just picturing, you, just, you know, like the grenades, person comes like, in to boom. smell the roses <laughs> and happens to get their hands touching the poison ivy and gets, you know, scratching all over the place, and is like, oh, you, I, I got poisoned from your, um, from your garden. You've, you've been marked last, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knock them off the bottom of the ladder. I think the name of this game is Gorilla Gardening. I think it has to be. Um, and yeah, you're the one who has to get in there. Gorilla Gardening, colon, raising lawn. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that's that's like, yeah, you got to think about those, like, use the art of war to be the best at gardening. Yeah, yeah. You know, we bring in some of those classic, you know, Sun Tzu uh, little <laughs> techniques and you know, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. You can start doing some, you know, negotiating with people and, and you've, yeah, you've got all the, all the machinations happening. Jeez. That is just yeah, and crazy. I, <laughs> and I think you've got to have like a war room as well and like you're pushing like characters around. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like old, you know, old Bill, right? You push him over, and he's going to go over and spend some time with Beryl. Maybe a bit too much time. He's going to overstay his welcome. He's going to ask her a few more biscuits when he's there. Too many cups of tea. Beryl doesn't get time to get back there to to look at her plants, and you're using that for a, a distraction. But you need to build up the relationship with Bill to get him to that point. So it's like moving I'd pieces love around already, the board. Yeah, you've got your troops that you that you're yeah. placing around on your little neighborhood uh, <laughs> war board. 
Yeah. <laughs> you maybe get someone elected to the council or you're trying to get elected to the council because the person on the council is the last person who won the gardening festival or something like that. Yeah. That's maybe, the, maybe that's the power play, yeah. But I'm, I'm just wondering if later on in the game you actually find out that, like, they've also been doing stuff to your garden and if you if you leave it for too long, then, you know, all of a sudden all the weeds that have, they've been planting in your garden start to sprout and all this sort of stuff and it's before it's too late yeah like it, I, oh yeah i think you can't neglect your own garden like that's where the thing is like you've got to maintain your own garden but you've got to take a risk and go out and like interfere with someone else's garden in order to like build yep. it up you've got to be so, checking yeah. checking for your bugs and your slugs and your making sure your fertilizer's right yeah definitely oh maybe that's maybe cool. you could pay like the local um the local biker gang to come and do like donuts <laughs> on Beryl's lawn <laughs> and just totally rip it up. <laughs> it's definitely one of your late game plays. Oh I yeah, think, when you get desperate. You, you do yeah. that as the it takes a lot as of points. the last night before the before the um before the what's it called yeah. because you don't want her getting that idea and, and attacking you in the same way. And if you've managed to build up enough plausible deniability about your relationship with the uh, the local gang, then you might be okay. But otherwise, you're going to be suspected and disqualified. Mm-hmm. Very good. This is good. I'll, I'm liking it a lot. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, a bit of that Agent 47 sort of like Hitman style. You're, you've got little missions. Maybe you're working your way through each day as a mission, uh, kind of working your way uh, into these relationships in this small town. And, yeah, you've got to use the art of war uh, to yeah. become... The gorilla guard. Well, I really like the idea actually of, yeah, like a daily daily missions, but they're very much based on the strategic choices you've made. Um, so you, you you start the day in your war room and it's like, okay, I'm going to distract over here and then I'm going to do this here and do this here. And then it's, then it, you know, you've got your actual mission objectives and you have to play them out and, and get the timing right. And yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think like a real-time day clock that yeah. goes through and you've got to like that's why it's like almost like that sort of harvest moon or um you know uh stardew valley style where there's like yes. the gardening aspect of it but you've got to go off on your missions as well so do you do you have a between. calendar at the very start that says 30 days till mm. till the the I garden so. is and i think there's like judged bonus events as well where like you know someone comes into town and they maybe got a you know a few extra extra plants or something or they've got a special mix of fertilizer that you've got to buy i love this because you'll get it. people speed running it and fig- you know the, if they if they they look at the board they strategize correctly they can destroy everyone else's gardens by like day three and then it's just them and they you know they can build the perfect garden from that point because they've taken everyone else out uh, Do you think there's a random element in it, or is it always like rolls out the same way that you pretty much always build from the same point? Well, I'm wondering then if there's a. I think there is a random element. It could almost be a roguelike situation, or like, or just a yeah, a procedural thing where you start with a randomly generated uh, neighborhood and people and the relationships that are already in place, and whether you have some idea of those initially, or you actually have to like do some reconnaissance to figure out, oh, who's going to back who, who, who is uh, like my in to, to make some mischief or who's going to help me out if I, you know, give them a few cuttings from my prize pumpkin vine or whatever. <laughs> uh, and that's part of, yeah, it's part of sort of surveying your board, your war room uh, and, and, and strategizing on your next steps to, to, to get through those 30 days and be the winner. 
cool. And I think there's got to be a, there's got to be a social aspect to it as well. So like you, I might be playing with you, Ben, and like we might live in our own different neighbourhoods, but all of a sudden you can come over and visit my neighbourhood and oh, have a look, at least see what's going on, check out the, the check garden. out the garden, share some gifts, yeah. perhaps, yeah. Yeah, some like real time tea drinking, <laughs> like on the mini games as well. Yeah, totally. And it's like you have to work out whether or not people like biscuits to be dunked in tea or not. I think that's an important social aspect you need to work your way through. So, oh yeah, and just what sort of bis- biscuits? Like, does yeah. Beryl like the iced vovo, uh, or you know, is she more of a Tim Tam girl? Oh, she, you, you know that Beryl is yeah. so down for a Tim Tam slam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you play on her pride. She's like, I've got a slam. That's I made a promise to myself. If a slam came up, it's time to slam. And you're like, all right, Beryl. And you're just posting Tim Tams to her house. And you know that she's just asked for Tim Tam slam. All the time. And yet, yeah, and the hydrangeas are needing some attention. But Beryl is... Slamming those Driven by a greater power. Yeah. <laughs> the day before, the Arnott's truck just backs up to her house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out yeah, comes you could call boxes in your, and boxes of Tim Tams. <laughs> just loose Yeah, maybe Tim-tams. you just get like a helicopter drop because you're a general, right? <laughs> so you just like call in a favour. And they're like, yeah, dropping, uh, you know, bits and pieces I love the, the smell sky. of Tim Tams in the morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. All I right. On that it. note, I think we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, well, I think we're going to finish up there. Uh, thanks so much, Johnny, for joining us tonight. That was a lot of fun. Uh, do you want to tell it. our listening audience with the best place to, to find Pixelsift and yourself and yeah. everything you you, uh, you all do? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, if you've never come across Pixelsift before, we're uh, an Australian uh, video games podcast, as you can probably imagine, that's why I'm here. Um, and we talk to game developers um, from around the world, effectively, and indies to more high-profile ones. Um, we've talked to, to the um, composer of Doom, who happens to be an Australian guy called Mick Gordon. Um, we've spoken to lots of other people doing cool stuff in games and other bits and pieces. Um, now, we have a couple of different podcasts. We've got Pixelsift, where we actually talk to the developers, have a conversation about, like, the challenges of making something and if you've listened to an episode of BizStorm you know it can be challenging to be creative and think of a good idea and put it all together and executing on it which is obviously what you guys don't need to do you can just have the good idea you don't need to actually make the game um, so we find out what it takes to make the games and we've also got another podcast called Mainstream as well um, where we talk about all the high profile games we've been playing so recently we um, by the time you listen to this there'll, there'll be an episode uh, looking at Hades on the Switch and um, also uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla which has just come out on the next generation consoles um, Heaps of stuff. Go to pixelsift.com.au or search for Pixelsift, S-I-F-T, uh, in your podcast player of choice. That's right. And if you want to find us online and all of our previous episodes, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Leave us some views. Check out all of the uh, previous uh, game design ideas that we've that we've had. Uh, we're also part of the 8-Bit Collective, and this is a group of podcasters who do shows on video games and pop culture and tabletop gaming and all sorts of stuff. Uh, so go to 8bit.net and, and check them out. Do you want to find more Australasian gaming podcast? Um Australasian gaming podcast like Pixel Sift is what I was trying to say. Then look for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook or look for at AGP Network on Twitter. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuritas for the useless song Mount Defines of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm Gianni from Pixel Sift. And, uh, uh, Beryl, is that a Tim Tam I see over there? <laughs> 
Tactical tip <laughs> Tactical tip <tip-tabs. laughs> <laughs>